Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Well, I tell you, it's, um, I told the 9 a.m. and I didn't realize this. I'd never preached a 9 a.m. service here and so the thought, I mean, it's a little daunting preaching twice, you know, in a span of like two, two and a half hours. And I, I will tell you that like it was real. But then when I realized, oh, it's not live stream, like I can say whatever I want. You know, it was raw. You got Mike raw this morning. So it was uh, it was definitely awesome. I'm going to cut back a few of those things so we can beat the Methodist to lunch. That's the goal today. It's not not to get anything spiritual. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so. A lot of you don't know me, know my background, so a little bit about me. I'm very military. Uh, I was in the military for 22 years. Uh, I traveled around. I've done a lot of things, and I, and I will tell you, it, it really just, God worked through the military to give me a firm foundation on what I believe and what I don't believe. Uh, the other thing I will, I will tell you is uh, my upbringing was kind of interesting, and, and I want to compare and contrast. Listen, I'm not Matt. And I, and I want to tell you that for this reason is Matt loves to do like a lot of voices and a lot of these characters and things like that. So in my travels, uh, I, I was telling the 9 a.m. service, I was like, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with folks from Russia, folks from the Middle East, uh, a lot of Hispanics growing up. I, it's just my background. So I thought, you know, maybe I could do some voices and be entertaining and be all funny like that. But I realized it's probably going to come across really racist. So I don't want to do any of that. <laughs> Um, so I apologize. I may not be as entertaining. Maybe I'll do some pew walking. I don't know. I'm just, however the spirit moves, you know. Um, but what I will tell you is this. Uh, I, as I approach preaching, and this is just a little bit uh, about me and my background, is I came from uh, when I was young. I got saved when I was eight, so that was quite a few, 43-plus years ago. I grew up in a hellfire and brimstone church. I mean, bring it to you like live and in your face, man. If, if I'm going to give you the word of God, I'm going to give it to you with a Schofield Bible across the head. And then maybe I'll restore you at the end. Maybe, I don't know. But that's kind of like how I learned about preaching. Just like, wow, you know, guys turning red, veins popping out in their neck and their forehead and stuff like that. So um, that's kind of how I approach, like, whenever I start to prepare sermons, I kind of want that. You know, I want that in, in your face. I want someone to tell me, like, this is what you should be doing. By God, you should be doing that, right? right. Well, I prepared this sermon years ago, and it was very much an in-your-face kind of thing. And I realized, you know, that's, as God laid on my heart, like, this, that's really not what this verse is about. God really uses Scripture in an unusual way that, that we can't necessarily get uh, amongst ourselves, but it's God speaking to us. This is about our relationship with God. And, and so as I started looking at the, our verse is going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, start going there. But just prepare this. I want this to come across as a help for you. I don't want this to be in your face. But if I say something that's pointed, it's because of this, is that God has... A, a plan for you. He has structure for you in this Christian life. He wants you to have a full Christian life. Jesus said, uh, the thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life, 
and that they might have it more abundantly. So God designed Scripture to give you more and to give you certain tools in order to have a right relationship with him. And so if this comes across pointed, uh, sorry, not sorry, but uh, it, it definitely should be helpful uh, this morning. So has anybody in here ever had a struggle in your walk with God? Okay, show of hands, don't show of hands, whatever you want to do. I just got to get you guys back in used to raising your hands because we had a guest speaker last week, and if I don't do it, then you're going to be out of practice when Matt comes up here. So uh, show of hands, you know, like, listen, struggles are real. The Christian life is not easy. And as a matter of fact, John, in John 16, 33, it tells us, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So it's not that God is going to take these struggles from you. It's that he's going to equip you to be able to deal with these things. And so as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, we really want to compare and contrast. So 2 Timothy, if you're not aware, is, is one of the pastoral letters uh, that Paul wrote. Uh, he wrote three of them, I believe. Um, it's one of the ones that he's trying to advise Timothy. He's like, listen, there are some things that you're going to need in, in your life as, as a preacher. But what I discovered is as I'm reading this, and I, I kinda, I've always thought that, well, I can't get anything out of Second Timothy because it's all about being a preacher. And it's really not. It's about being a man of God. It's about being a child of God. And so when we look at Scripture, we should look for those things that really just speak to us. And it's not that it's, some, it's for some and not for others. It's for us. And so we're going to walk through that a little bit this morning, and I want to approach it from a little bit different light. And so the first thing that he does in 2 Timothy in the beginning of the chapter, he's going to compare and contrast the world to what we are as Christians. And so let's do that to set the stage. And so uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5 says this, But know this, hard times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents. Is this starting to sound like the world today? All right. Well, God forbid it sounds like our church, but hold on. I mean, just this, this, this gets better. So ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Timothy is, uh, I'm sorry, Paul is telling Timothy, listen, you're going to come across this as a young preacher, but church, let me tell you today that we have to be careful that we don't let these things into our life, that we don't exhibit these things that, that Paul is telling Timothy, that these things are what are absolutely against God. This is what God does not want. This is a foundation that this is the world's standard, and this is not something that we're supposed to live by. And this is something that is going to keep you from experiencing God in all of its fullness. So he's putting that out there for Timothy. And then what he does is he, he says, you know what? But let me, let me tell you what is going to be good for you. Let me tell you what, as a child of God, let me tell you what's going to be good for you. Then we're going to go into our key verse. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. And in my Bible, uh, I used the CSB, and when I came across this portion, it said, struggles in the Christian life. 
We just read that there's going to be sorrows and trials, right? There are going to be struggles in the Christian life, but what this is designed to do, what Paul is telling Timothy, he's telling him, like, listen, you're going to have these struggles, but there is a process, there is a plan that God has laid out for you to make it through these struggles in the Christian life and for you to come out on the other side victorious. So if we can take these different principles and we can apply them to our lives, then we can have abundance in the Christian life. We can have a full Christian life and we can see victory in our Christian life. And some of this, I'm going to point out some things like we can be content with just good enough. But why? Why should we? We're not designed to be that way. God didn't bring you here on the earth just to have an okay life. He brought you here to have a full Christian life and to experience him in all his glory. All right? So, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. And I told my wife I didn't need my glasses, and now my eyes are failing me, so I'm going to back up so I can read it. All right. So, verse 10 says, But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, uh, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. There's some happy news, all right? So, but don't despair, because evil people and imposters, this is verse 13, evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those things, uh, I'm sorry, you know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is inspired by God. And this is our, this is our key verse, uh, 16. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So when we look at what Scripture is supposed to do, and we're talking about the Bible this morning, so we have a form of Scripture that's been wonderfully put together for us. And, and pastor said something like that, that just hit me like a ton of bricks at the 9 a.m. We've had it for a while. You know, this is not something that's new to us. So we've had this. We've had Scripture for a while. So how do we use it? Are we using it effectively? Do we understand that God gave us scripture for our benefit? And he gave us scripture so that we may continue to develop a relationship at every turn. Uh, I think of, okay, so I, I like to use examples, and I'm going to use my kids as an example, but I'm going to use one with my wife. Is So as we met and as we dated and now that we're married, there are things that... I need to understand about being a husband. And so as we get going into these points, you're going to understand there's some information that needs to be received, right? And I, I will tell you that it's taken me a while to understand the, that information that I need in order to be the right husband for her. She's working. She's teaching me every day about those things, okay? So that's, that's good, and just a matter of whether or not I apply it, okay? But, and listen, she understands that, you know, I have limitations because I'm a man. I can only know so much about a woman. You guys have a club that we don't, you know, have access to. There's some sort of, 
some sort of slide rule, you know, you got to do the secret handshakes. I know you guys do, don't deny it. So, all right. But we have to understand that there was a process, there was a plan that God had in order for us to develop a deeper relationship with him, for us to, to understand him more, and for us to interact with him. And so we're going to walk through those today. Uh, the first one that we see uh, in, our, in our scripture verse, it says, uh, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching. So the first one is teaching. And in some of the versions that I looked at, it used the word doctrine and instruction, but I just like to think of it as simply just passing information. So when you think of the word teaching, it's just relaying information. So scripture is profitable for understanding new concepts. Uh, when we look at uh, the Greek, it says teaching the world about the truths, uh, uh, truths which they cannot otherwise know, uh, what is true about God, what is true about man, what is true about the world we live in and the world we face. Uh, I said this in the 9 a.m., it's about discovery. This is about new information, and there are things that uh, the longer we have uh, this Christian life, the longer walk we have, we're going to realize you don't know as much as you think you know, or even if you are, you know, you, you understand that you don't know everything, you're going to realize that God reveals himself to you in unique ways. But the only way that we can really do that fully is through the scripture. And I'm going to harp a little bit on this, is that you need to be well-rounded in how you receive scripture, meaning it's not just processing scripture through the sermon, through a preacher getting up here and preaching. It's not just processing information through Bible study on Wednesday night or groups. I know there are other groups that have like Tuesday night Bible studies. That's not just it, but it's about a deep understanding of God. God processing information through the scripture to you in an individual way. So individual Bible study. If we are not well-rounded, then we can be out of balance. And so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how, we, how we do that. Uh, so the three things that I, I really, really wanted to harp on were self-Bible study, uh, sitting under good preaching, which you'll get next week when pastor comes up here, <laughs> and group study. It is so vital for us understanding these truths. And if there's anything that I can tell you, having been uh, doing this Christian walk for 43 years, is that it's hard. Okay, it's hard to get up and read your Bible. There's going to be so much that is, just goes against that. There are going to be pressures at every turn. There's going to be a job. I mean, I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go to the gym. Do you think I want to read my Bible? No, I hate my personal trainer, man. He yells at me. Sorry, Howard, if you listen to this. I love you. Um, no, but it's, there's so many things that can disconnect you from that personal relationship with God. But you got to understand, you got to understand that reading Scripture, Scripture to us is part of communication. If I never communicate with my wife, what kind of a marriage are we going to have? Okay, the man's going to be happy, but she's not going to be. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> she's like, he's the talkative one, <laughs> so, which is true. Anyways, <sighs> all right, maybe it's raw 11 o'clock hour. All right, so anyways. You guys are learning something about our marriage. Anyways, there's, there's communication that needs to be had. And it's not just us praying to God when we need stuff. It's not just a, 
quid pro quo, God, I'm going to pray to you, so give something to me. No, he's giving you something each and every day. He's giving you an opportunity to explore a relationship with him. And the more that we just ignore it and the more that we just say, you know what, that's just not for me. I don't understand the Bible. I don't get anything out of the Bible. Well, it's hard. It's hard to go through, and there's things that we can do in order to really absorb the information and really develop a deep personal relationship with him. It's not something that we should shy away from, but we have to get into the Scripture. And we have to allow God to open up new things in our mind. We have to process new information in order to develop that relationship. Give you a for, for instance, I know that um, when I first got married, uh, when we first got married, I was, don't you love all these examples this morning? Hey, how's it going? Um, didn't really understand about dishes in the sink. Okay, new information came my way. I absorbed this information. I now know this information, so it's up to me what I do with this information. So there was some rebuking and some corrective actions, which are the next steps. We'll get to that, but, <laughs> but it was all about, it wasn't just about the information. It was about what I was able to do with the information. So the teaching was a necessary step. And again, these points, I used to look at them as separate. This is a process. God has to take you through. You have to understand that there is information that you need. If God ever, uh, if, if you never learned that because man fell, because there was a time where uh, God, uh, man stepped away and rebelled against God, and because of that, he had to send his son down here to die on a cross, he had to die on that cross. He had to be buried. And after the third day, he arose, conquering death and sin. You have to understand this information in order to be able to react to it and enable to process it and put it into motion. So if there's never a learning process, if you're never in the Scripture, if you're never reading, then you're not able to do the other steps. And so it's vital in your relationship. If I don't have that information that my wife really doesn't care for dishes in the sink, there's nothing I can do about that. It'll continue to happen, and it'll continue to get me rebuked, which is the next step. Look at that transition. All right. All right. Before we do that, though, I do want to bring up um, an example. So when I was looking at this, uh, the Bible is a, is a story about a father and his children. So if we look at us as children, so I'm going to bring up a little par parenting example this morning. Uh, how many parents, how many of you are parents in here? All right. How many of you have parents? How many of you were immaculately conceived? All right. All right. So, okay. All right. One in the back. All right. Good times. All right. So don't we try to do this with our kids is we try to teach them truths. We try to teach them that there are things that they're supposed to be doing. They don't necessarily understand the why, but they need that information so that they know. They need to develop a knowledge base. That's the toddler phase. And we're going to go up through some little phases here as we go through the scripture. And God's able to do that with us if we never get the information because we don't fully read ourselves. We don't sit under the preaching. We don't do the Bible study. Then we're never, ever going to get out of that toddler phase in our relationship with God. All right? So we know it's a process. We know it's never ending. The other thing that I'll tell you is this as I try not to step on this expensive equipment. 
not every area of your life is equal when it comes to these phases. Is you may be steeped in prayer. You may have a great prayer life because you've taken information and you've put it into action. But you may not understand that and say serving. So you may be a toddler when it comes to serving. You may not understand that when it comes to stewardship of finances. And we had a great lesson, great sermon last week about what it means to have finances, to, to, what, what does that mean for our relationship and priorities? We, you may be at a toddler phase. Some of you may be at an adult phase in that. But not all of your phases are equal. So that's why it's important to continually process new information is to find those areas where you need that information and you can start that growth process. You can start that relationship process in that individual area. All right. Awesome. Good segue. Next point. All right, so all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, and the next area is rebuking. So the Greek uh, talks about to expose, convict, reprove, discipline, to show to be guilty. All right, y'all ready for this point? To show to be guilty. So I do want to throw out that there's an element of properness in that it shows evidence. Scripture's kind of unique in that it just doesn't point out like, hey, do this because I said so. God doesn't operate in that. He does have other scripture in there that supports that. He's going to try to, he's going to tell you that you're not to do this because these things are not beneficial for you. These things will lead to this. These things will ultimately destroy you. There is a result as a part, as a part of your actions God will rebuke you. The, the rebuke is about opening up and just showing you that there is sin. There's sin that pops up in our life. The scripture is vital for showing. When you hold it up to, to, to yourself, it's like a mirror, and it's going to show you that there are things in your life that shouldn't be happening. That's that rebuke. And I think about my kids. Well, one thing, the Bible in Psalm uh, 66 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That, that rebuking phase is so necessary in understanding that I have something in my life that's prohibiting communication, just like my kids did wrong. It would cause a strain between us. And in our parent-child relationship, I still love them, but there's something that's between us. And we need to deal with this, and that rebuke is necessary. It's like, hey, you did this and this is wrong. Okay, we're not in the correction phase yet, but they have to come to an acknowledgement that what they did was wrong. And as I, t as I would discipline my kids, and I, t I scared the 9 a.m. service. It's like, you know, I was in the military all these years, and I'm, you know, the military is like an angry place. I'm Terry, you know, where Terry, where you at? There you are. Terry can tell you, the military is an angry place because you deal with the worst elements of society. It's almost like being a police officer, but in a foreign land. All right? So I didn't want to be angry with my kids when I disciplined them. So when I would discipline them, I would bring them into a, the same place every time. We would sit down. I would explain exactly what we're there for. The scripture has a unique way of describing where you're at and why it's wrong. That rebuke is there for a very good reason. I don't discipline my kids. I don't rebuke them because I want them to be a good person. I want them to have a right relationship. I want them to understand that 
what they're doing is prohibiting us from having that right relationship. And God is the same way with us. So this rebuking is what I call the, 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 the teenage phase for me, right? So I need to explain to them, listen, what you're doing is absolutely going to harm you. It's absolutely going to harm our relationship. And God will not spare anything in the scripture to show you that. And it's not out of a place of power or spite or anything. It's out of a place of love because he wants you to have that loving, right relationship. So don't think that rebuking is this thing that I need to avoid. Don't avoid it because it's going to be a step that you have to come to and say, I have this in my life. I need to get rid of this in my life. And we'll talk about where, to, where we go from there. But I have to come to that realization to, to know that you, uh, I, don't, I don't know how, how to say this. First thing you have to do is admit that there's a problem. I don't, you know, I've, I've heard, that, heard that or admit that I have a problem. I don't know how that works. But you have to come to that point to where you say, you know what? According to scripture, not according to Pastor Matt, not according to the world, not according to my boss, According to God Almighty, my maker and my father, because I have a relationship with them, there is something that is hindering my relationship with God. And so now I need to come to that point to where I'm accepting of that. Uh, Hebrews 3, 12 and 13 says, Sin and deceit are very damaging. Rebuking calls it out front to be dealt with. You have to bring it up to deal with it. So... So, whenever we look at uh, rebuke, there's scripture is our standard, which is why we can say, you know, what is right and what is wrong. There's no change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So, scripture is our way at which we come to that realization of what right and wrong is. Uh, God spends a lot of time rebuking simply because of this one thing. He loves us. Okay, and so we have to accept the rebuke. The next thing that we see uh, in the scripture, yeah, see, we're moving along. Woo, yeah, like it. All right, all scripture, we are going to get out to the buffet. I love it. All scripture, <laughs> all scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, uh, for rebuking, and for correcting, which is our next point. The Greek talks about to set up uh, to set upright or to set straight again. And this has a connotation of restoration. If we are ever going to have our, our self renewed, and Scripture calls us, you know, renew your mind. It tells us to do this. It tells us to do this daily. And it says that uh, Scripture is going to provide us with the way to understand through the teaching, right? Then it's going to have that rebuke. But the correction is going to be the point at which I then accept responsibility and now I'm going to put it into action. So when you look at these verbs that are used in the Greek, to set upright, to set straight again, there is a connotation of movement. 
Those are action verbs that say, you know what? I've got to do something. I've got to be willing to make a movement in this. It's not just that I have the information. It's not just that I accept that that's right because there's pastors that are going to stand up here. There are preachers that are going to stand up here and they're going to tell you that this is what God is telling you, that this is what the Bible says and that you have to do it. But if you never act on it, then what good is the information? You have to be willing to allow the scripture to correct your action. You have to be willing to make movement on that in order for you to experience God in a way that you never dreamed, in a way that you are meant to experience him. And if I've had failures in my Christian walk, it's this one thing, is that I've been okay with mediocrity in my scripture reading because I didn't want to correct some things in my life. If there's something that I'm holding on to, I didn't want to get rid of it. It wasn't until I got rid of a few things in my life that I said, you know what, God, you're absolutely right. I'm willing to make the step to improve that. I'm willing to make the step to say, you know what, this is my action. God, meet me. If I draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh unto me, right? That action is upon me. I have to make that movement. So if we are going to experience this Christian walk, the fullness that God intended, we really have to look at the scripture as the way to do that. Is it easy? Nope. I got nothing, you know, I got nothing more to say about. Is, it, is there something that I can do to make it easier other than obey and act on it? No. It, I know it seems oversimplistic in that manner, but that's where I came down on it. The problems that I've had in my Christian walk haven't been God's problems. They were my problems. They were my problems because I decided not to do what God told me to do. It was staring me right in the face. It was staring me right in the face, but I said, you know what, God? I want to hold on to this because I think that my plan is better and that my way is a better way. That's essentially what you're saying whenever you say, you know what? I'm not going to get rid of that in my life. And I don't know what that is in your life. Um, God knows that's what it's about. It's about your relationship with God. And so when I look at, uh, going back to the kids example, the children and parents, I would always make sure that my kids understood. But I always told them, and they had to accept that what they did was wrong. But what I wanted from them was for them to show me that there was a change in their heart, and that only comes through action. I, you know, my kids can sit there and say, you know, Dad, I'm, I'm totally on board. What I did was wrong. I'm not going to do it again. Two weeks later, we're back in the same spot. And that's how we are as children with God, is that we keep going back there, and it's going to be a struggle. But that's why it's so important to stay in here. This is a reminder. If I have to read the same verse five times during a week, it's because God's dealing with me, then I'll do it. It's something that God has given us the ability to do, but we don't take advantage of it. And I'll tell you, like, I don't, I have no reason, you know, for why I failed in the past. And I can't speak to, you know, any failures out here. But all I can say is, like, the one time you get it right, it's so worth it. It's like hitting a golf shot. Man, I'm golfing 120, worst day in my life. Also, I'm like, you know, whatever. I'm going to try to reach the green in two on this par five, whatever. I whack this ball, and it lands three feet from the cup. I'm coming back. I love it. 
Golf's the greatest thing ever. I've had a horrible day. And God really gives us the ability to have a relationship like that with them in that you can have a horrible, horrible experience in your life because you tried to do things your own way, but then when you go back and you do it God's way, he's not going to hold it over your head and say, well, you shot a 120. Bro, what's up? That's not what he's about. He's about like, good shot. Welcome home. Now there's some things that we're going to work on, which leads me to my next point. So all scripture is uh, inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and the last one is for training. So there's a different connotation when it comes to training versus teaching. So training, uh, I'm sorry, teaching was about acquiring knowledge. Training, uh, the Greek really does, does this well. It's like rearing of children, development, which comes over time. It's not necessarily teaching you one thing. It's development. It's a repeated process. It's a pattern, learning, uh, drilling it into your head. So to teach discipline or train strictly so that they mature and realize their full potential. This blew me away because I never looked at training like this, is that once we have the information, God ends up rebuking us and and we accept our sin. We take that corrective step. Now it's time to take it to the next level. And I think that so often we're good with the status quo. I Listen, I come to church. I don't sing in the choir because we don't have one. I guess now i got to join the worship team. All right. Y'all don't want that. Anyways. <laughs> Sorry. But I serve. I serve in a children's ministry. You know, I, I, I do this. I do that. I, I serve on this team. But th- I'm good. But if, if my relationship with God isn't where it needs to be, then all those things aren't going to fulfill you. They're not going to bring you happiness the way that God intended it. There's some satisfaction in seeing people, you know, grow. And I can tell you, like, you know, when I teach, I really like for people to experience the scripture the way that I experienced it, you know, to get that excitement about it, to get it to a place to where it affects their life. And I will tell you, that's where we are with this training is that it's about taking the information that we have and drilling it into our heads, repeated process, making it to where it's a lifestyle and just not a one-time instance. So getting into your Bible, you know, just sitting under preaching as much as possible, getting into Bible studies with other people, these are tools that God has given us to be able to open up the Word of God and really experience Him in a different way. And so when we look at, uh, when we look at this scripture, it is a process. So you have to go through the process. If you skip part of the process, it, the process isn't going to be fully effective. Can you get rebuking without knowledge? I don't think so. Can you get correcting without rebuking? My kids never did it. So they didn't just self-correct. Dad, I have something to confess. I want you to discipline me right now. Maybe your kids are that way, but mine were not. Like I said, um, so my kids are a little messed up. Hey, this is online. Hey, what's up, kids? (laughs) 
There, she lives with my son. That's my daughter-in-law back there. So you're about to be part of the sermon now too. So <laughs> deal with it. <clears throat> this will be your last time coming to the church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but and she can speak to my son and, and Matt, my oldest son, was part of your youth group. That's a sneaky dude. All right. And it dumbfounded me because they lived with people who were in the military whose one, one person was, it was their job to catch spies. That's what they were trained to do. The other parent, it was their job to interrogate the spy or the terrorist when they were caught. My kids are messed up, so sorry. Sorry, Courtney. And you guys can figure out, you can take a poll amongst yourself, which one was which. So I don't know if you guys know what I did for a living, so. But I, I will say this, that I don't think a lot of times that we self-report to God. It takes prompting sometimes from a preacher. It takes prompting from a friend. I, I so strongly believe in good, solid relationships of discipleship and mentorship in the church. Uh, I totally believe in that, but I believe in this more than anything. I believe in that first is that my individual walk with God is vital, vital to me being trained the way God wants me to be trained. And the way that God is going to bring me up to use me is all those things. He's just, it's not going to happen with just me at the helm. I've tried that. And I said, before I came to church here, I sat out of church for a year because I thought that was the way. I'll try here. I'll do this. I'll do that. It was so wrong. I was so miserable. But doing, getting back into the word, getting back under good, solid preaching, getting in Bible studies, getting to know people and not judging them like I was, you know, it's just, it, it's totally transformed my life. And my relationship with God has never been better. So scripture restores us. You know, scripture, it, it absolutely is designed to keep us in a right relationship with God. And so we're going to end with this. Uh, there is an analogy that uh, I had heard once upon a time about our, how we treat Scripture and how we treat Bible study. Uh, and if we drove cars the same way that we treat Scripture. So I want you to see if you're one of these four groups. We're going to go through this group. And so, and I really like this because, you know, I just bought my first muscle car. It's a 2007 Roush Mustang. It's fast, fast. Oh, yeah. So, anyways, want to get in, want to do it, want to drive it. So, anyways, thank God I'm 50. If I'd had this car when I was 20, I wouldn't be here. So, man, alive. Anyways, all right. So, four different types of group when it comes to if we treated scripture the way we, we treated driving, the way that we treat scripture. One is we never get out of the driveway. So this is the people who have these beautiful cars. You know, whatever car is your favorite, just picture it sitting in your driveway. But picture that it never leaves. What kind of use do you get out of a car if you never drive it? And that was the one condition that my wife asked me to do, to take care of whenever I bought this car. It's like, you better drive it. It is not an ornament to sit in our driveway. It needs to go out. It is meant to be driven. Let me tell you that Scripture is the same way. Scripture is meant to get into your life. Scripture is meant to be 
an effective tool to get you from point A to point B. If it never leaves the driveway, it is of zero use to you. You might as well just light it on fire and have a bonfire. Invite everybody over and roast marshmallows, you know what I'm saying? So that's the first group. Bible study is not for me. Scripture is not for me. What kind of relationship do you have with God if that's the case? Second group is you hire a professional driver. How many of you want this option? All right, you're not going to like it when you hear the, the analogy, but, you know, it does, you know, maybe I can get on my phone instead of doing it while I'm driving. Anyways, this is where you trust the knowledge of others. So you're going to hire a professional driver. He's going to take you the way he wants. He's going to take you the way he knows. And who knows if he's taking you to the right direction or the right direction to the right destination. So a lot of people handle their Bible reading and the scripture knowledge this way. It's, it's like sitting under preaching, but never reading the Bible yourself, never checking out the facts. I'll tell you, I, I like getting into the Bible because he throws something out I've never heard before. I'm like, I don't know if that's true. Let me check that out. Is this guy leading us astray? Maybe not. Maybe so. I don't know. It's just you get the eye. So now you guys get a clue as to which one I was. All right, so. But this is how sometimes we treat Scripture reading, is we say, you know what? I'm going to trust that other people, other people's knowledge is doing it, and, but it's just not, I'm not completely in need of doing it myself. And so the third person is uh, they drive, but only in certain neighborhoods. So they're comfortable with, say, driving around Bully's Quarters, which I don't know why you would be, man. People around here drive crazy. All right, listen, and I'm one of them now, I guess. So <clears throat> we be crazy. That's all I'm saying. All right? People get into an area where they're comfortable with certain types of Scripture. There's a problem with this. You're going to have a limited relationship. If Karen and I only talked about Three topics in our marriage, those three topics will be great. But what about the other 455 topics that we're supposed to discuss this week? You know, we won't be good in those areas. And that's the same way with your relationship with God is that when you only go through certain parts of the Bible or you only go through certain topics, you're never going to grow in those other areas and you're going to have an incomplete relationship with God. And so... You know, are you only driving in certain areas? Or the fourth one, and with this we'll be done. Uh, are you going to drive it like you stole it? You know, that's, that's, that's my motto. I want, I want to drive the scripture like I stole it, right? So really and truly, these are people who are very calculated about their Bible reading. Okay, they're dedicated. Uh, they have a plan. They read the owner's manual. They get, the mile, uh, they get the oil change. They rotate their tires. Uh, they do all the checkups. Uh, they consult with the experts on, you know, what's the best type of oil for this car? You know, what should I do performance-wise for this? You know, whenever I need this in my life, I consult an expert. Those are people who care, and they invest in their driving. They invest in their relationship with God. So are we doing our individual Bible studies? Are we sitting under preaching? Are we, do we have a mentor in the church? You know, is somebody discipling us in these areas? Um, I think of like marriage counseling is a wonderful thing. 
which we'll probably be buying next week after this. So. <laughs> so, But which of those four are you? Are you never getting out of the driveway? Are you uh, relying on somebody else to do it? Are you only driving in certain neighborhoods? Or are you wanting to do the full you know, full service, like I'm going anywhere, I'm doing anything, and I will put in all the effort. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.